Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, December 28th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com. Or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates. Swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back. And make sure you tell them. I sent you. So, hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Uh, Another holiday weekend coming up as New Year's Eve is on Thursday. Just a schedule reminder once again for the second straight week. Because of that, this will be a shortened week. I'm here today on Monday. I'll be here tomorrow on Tuesday. And I'll wrap the week up on Wednesday with my Week 17 NFL preview and my Week 17 picks. Picks, picks. It's a segment that I give you usually on Fridays, but obviously last week uh, with the shortened Christmas week, I gave them on Wednesday, and this week with the shortened New Year's Eve week, uh, with New Year's Eve being on Thursday, I will do my last podcast of the week on Wednesday and give you picks, picks for week 17 on that podcast on Wednesday afternoon. So looking back now on week 16, we wrap it up tonight with a good one. Monday Night Football, the Broncos and the Bengals, this one in Denver. The spread today is minus four. Denver's a four-point favorite at home over A.J. McCarron and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, But I I took the Broncos at minus three and a half last Wednesday, so the spread has changed by a half point, but I have to stick with what I took them with, so I get the Broncos at minus three and a half. If I win that game, which I still feel confident I'm going to do, I still think Denver's going to win this one, and I still think they're going to win it by more than three and a half at home on Monday Night Football. Uh, If that happens, it'll only be my second win of the week. I got three games wrong. I went one and three yesterday. I lost with Carolina, minus seven. They lost to the Falcons, as you saw. Carolina no longer undefeated. The Falcons, you know, they get their second shot at Carolina in the last couple weeks, and they take down the beast. They're out there dabbing. All the while, the Atlanta Falcons are eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, We got the Minnesota Vikings. They've clinched a playoff spot, right? Uh, They did that with their win um, last night on Sunday Night Football as they just whooped the New York Giants. We saw the Seattle Seahawks. They clinched two weeks ago, but what happened to Seattle? They lose to St. Louis? They lost to St. Louis? A couple just surprising losses in Week 16, but back to my picks. I lost with Carolina minus seven. I did not expect that to happen. I lost with the Patriots minus three and a half um, against the Jets in New York. I Look, I'll get to that debacle in just a few minutes, but that was one of my losses. I didn't think the Patriots would lose. I thought they'd win by more than three and a half in New York, and if the Patriots won that game, they would have clinched the number one seed in the AFC in the playoffs, so they have to wait to try and do that um, against Miami in Miami next week, next weekend. I also lost with the Steelers minus ten and a half over the Ravens. I don't care where this game was. I don't care that this was a divisional game. I thought this. I watched the Steelers play the last couple weeks. We all did. Saw how good they were. 
they just didn't show up to play. They played down to the competition in this one, and because of that, because they lost to the Baltimore Ravens, they might have cost themselves a playoff spot. Unbelievable. Could not believe that's... That was the biggest surprise to me. I would have never guessed. Now, you might have thought, hey, the 10.5 is just too high, right? Pittsburgh, you know, that, 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 that's, that's a divisional game. You could see that being close, but I don't know. I mean, Baltimore is so bad. Their defense has been so bad this year. And, and Ben Roethlisberger, with all the weapons he has, and what's at stake? I mean, this is a playoff game for them. And you saw how good they were the last couple weeks. You're not beating Denver. I mean, come on. Pittsburgh, there is no reason why they shouldn't go into Baltimore yesterday and absolutely beat the shit out of the Ravens. And they didn't do it because they didn't show up. They played down to the competition, and now they might be out of the playoffs. I mean, that's probably good news for the rest of the AFC. But still, Pittsburgh is a much better team than Baltimore this year. And I was shocked with that one. So I lose with Steelers minus 10.5. Uh, So those are my three losses, Carolina, Patriots, Steelers. I won with the Cardinals, minus four and a half over the Packers in Arizona, right? The Arizona Cardinals, now at 13-2. and Uh, They clinch a first-round bye, and Carolina has not yet clinched the number one seed. They can with a win over Tampa Bay next week or with an Arizona loss. Arizona, uh, they play against Seattle, so it's, it's... I think it's likely that Carolina beats Tampa. And that game, Carolina-Tampa is at 425 next week. Arizona game is at 425 as well. So if you're Carolina, you got to play your starters now. you got to try and take care of your own business and get that number one seed. You want that NFC championship game at home. Uh, I do think they're still going to get it. But, man, you watch Arizona play. All the weapons they have offensively, if – if Carson Palmer can stay healthy, David Johnson is just a beast. I mean, he can't be stopped in the run game. They're dumping passes off to him. Uh, you got the veteran leadership from Larry Fitzgerald. You a couple other receivers that can make big plays. And on top of it, their defense, even without, even without the Honey Badger yesterday, they are still just, they were getting to Aaron Rodgers all day long. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a shot in this one. And the Cardinals, they whooped the Packers yesterday. Uh, the Packers, you know, it's an interesting situation now because they play Minnesota. And basically, the division is on the line because, as I mentioned, Minnesota clinched a playoff berth. They beat the Giants last night. And uh, that's a division game. And, in fact, we could see those two teams play back-to-back weeks. We could. We could see him play in the first round of the playoffs. The question is, where would that game be? Uh, we'll have to see uh, what happens with the Seattle Seahawks and what they can do uh, in Arizona for their final game of the season. But uh, So we'll let that play out, but that's how my picks went. I went 1-3 and three yesterday. My fifth pick, fifth and final pick is tonight, Broncos. Minus three and a half over the Bengals in Denver. As of today, the spread is minus four, but I took them on Wednesday when I gave you picks picks, and uh, I took them at minus three and a half, so I'm going to stick with that, and I do think I'm going to get that right, but it will result in a week that's under 500, and I had been going pretty well. Nine and one in my previous two weeks, this would not be considered a good week, and I'm just shocked at some of the things that happened here in week 16. I mentioned Carolina lost. I didn't think that was going to happen. Seattle, I mean, who would have thought they would lose to St. Louis yesterday? I mean, Seattle, Russell Wilson, the way he'd been playing. 
We had put him in the conversation of possible MVP. Now, I don't think he should have received it, but I think you were okay to put him in some type of MVP conversation. Now, it's just a conversation, but I think you put him in it. The way he's sort of taken his team offensively on his back when you lose some of your key players, like Marshawn Lynch, when you lose another one of your uh, running backs in Rawls, you had already lost Jimmy Graham, even though Jimmy Graham wasn't really doing anything for you this season anyways. But still, I mean, to lose all those players and then to take the offense on your back and look like an even better team after you lose those guys, you deserve consideration or at least to be in the conversation. Russell Wilson was there. They were playing so so well that, I mean, you never expected them to go and lose to the Rams. I just didn't see it happening. So an awful loss for Seattle, uh, an awful loss for Carolina. Then you get into the AFC, and you look at Pittsburgh. Again, I just I can't get over that loss to Baltimore. How do you not show up for that game? How do you not show up for a game against one of the worst teams in the league? Because that's what Baltimore is. They're five and ten. Uh, you, you, I mean, you just can't lose that ball game. I don't care where you're playing. I don't care what quarterback came in for Baltimore. Ryan Mallett. Who, who cares? This is Ryan Mallett that wasn't even flying with his previous team, missing flights. I mean, please, you're going to let him beat you in what is essentially a playoff game? It cannot happen. Pittsburgh didn't show up, and I am shocked. I am shocked with that. And, of course, all the talk here in New England is about the Patriots losing to the Jets 26-20 to yesterday in overtime. And as of right now, the Patriots are still the one seed in the AFC with the 12-3 and record, right? Uh, the Bengals are the two seed with an 11-3 and record. Denver's the three seed at 10-4. and You got Houston, the four seed, at 8-7. and Houston with a big win yesterday. And Kansas City, they clinch a playoff spot. What if they won nine straight games, Kansas City? Them and Arizona have won nine straight. Kansas City clinches their playoff spot. They're the five seed. And the Jets, with their win, they knock Pittsburgh out of it for the time being. Now, Pittsburgh could still get in, but the Jets, essentially here, they can control their own destiny. They play at Buffalo next week in week 17, January 3rd at 1 o'clock. Uh, so the Jets control their own destiny. I, I'm going to give them the nod on that one. I think they should be able to go into Buffalo and win. But, you know, nothing is guaranteed, as we saw in week seven. Excuse me, in week 16 here with some of these teams that I thought were guaranteed wins like Pittsburgh over Baltimore, right? I thought it was guaranteed win Carolina over Atlanta. I thought it was a guaranteed win Seattle over St. Louis. And, yes, I thought it was a guaranteed win the Patriots over the Jets. Now, perhaps you could say I overlooked the Jets. And and you might be right on the money with that. Going into the first time these two teams played, I did expect, you know, I, I, I gave the Jets, I think, the proper credit. I don't think I gave it to them this time around. But really, it had more to do with the Patriots. And it had more to do with how I'm used to seeing the Patriots sort of use certain things as motivation. Now, there were a couple things that were at stake that I thought the Patriots were really going to benefit from. One was knowing that if they win the game, they would get the number one seed in the AFC, and you know how important that is to everybody in the Patriots organization. Get that AFC championship game at Gillette Stadium, and it makes your life a whole lot easier. It doesn't make it easy, 
it makes it much easier than having to go into a place like a Cincinnati or a Denver or wherever that may be. I mean, for all we know, it would end up, you know, who knows? Again, nothing guaranteed. You don't know what's going to happen here with Cincinnati, Denver. So you don't want to pick a certain spot in a certain location right now. But in general, putting the other teams aside, focus it about what you need to do. You need to win to get home field advantage in the AFC Championship. And I thought that would be motivation enough. On top of it, the fact that, you know, you could have beaten the Jets. If you beat the Jets, you also know that you could eliminate the Jets from the playoffs if both Kansas City and Pittsburgh won. Now, we know that wouldn't have happened because Pittsburgh lost, so it wouldn't have officially eliminated the Jets. Uh, But Kansas City did their part. But there were a couple things that I thought would motivate the Patriots to get them over the top. I, I, I did. There were, there were those things, those factors involved. Um, now, that didn't happen. I'm going to credit the Jets. They played a great game. They got to Tom Brady. We know how banged up Brady's offensive line is. But I also watched this game yesterday. And, and there was an aspect to what the Patriots were trying to do and what their game plan was. I, again, I understand how depleted the team was offensively, even defensively in the secondary. I get it. I, I realize that. But I'm going to judge how this game was coached based on the plays that you have. And even though the execution wasn't necessarily there, you know, until you had a couple fourth down conversions where you finally were giving it, throwing it up to Gronk, and he was coming down with it on that fine, on that touchdown drive that tied the game, that sent it to overtime. But, but the way, the feel that this game had, to me, and I said this during the game, it was similar to that Eagles game where, where they were doing certain things from a coaching aspect that were just frustrating, that were just sort of not, it wasn't the Patriot way. For instance, a couple of things that just drove me crazy. Like when you, start, when you start to do things that every other team in the National Football League wants to see you do, what are those things? Well, here's one. One of those things is, Crazy plays. Like, crazy play calling on the offensive side. I get it. You are, you don't have Amendola. You don't have Edelman. Uh, you know, they're doing their best to shut down Gronk. You know, the Jets are saying, if you're going to beat us, you're not going to do it with Gronk. You're going to do it with someone like Keyshawn Martin or LaFell. You're going to have to dump it off to James White. Steven Jackson's going to have to dig himself out of the grave and come back here and, and beat us, pound it up the middle. That's how you're going to have to beat us. I, I get that a lot of those things were not working out, but the play calling to me, and, and not the simple frustrating plays that maybe didn't work out, that might work out on another given Sunday. I'm talking about the crazy plays. For instance, I don't need Tom Brady lined up as a wide receiver ever. Ever. I don't ever need him lined up as a wide receiver. No, I don't need him lined up as a wide receiver. The Patriots don't need him lined up as a wide receiver. You don't need Tom Brady lined up as a wide receiver. The rest of the league, the New York Jets, the rest of the AFC, even the NFC, that's saying we want the Patriots' road to the Super Bowl being as difficult as possible. Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback that's ever lived, you're going to line him up at wide receiver for a play on a big drive on the road? in a game that you need to win to get the number one seed in the AFC? I mean, other teams, they want you to do that. They want you to line up Tom Brady wide. Don't ever, I don't need that. The Patriots don't need that. I don't need to see it. I don't ever want to see it again. The Patriots, 
if they if they are gonna have Tom Brady on the field, he better be under center and shotgun. That's it. That's it. All right. And the only person I want throwing the football, I know. They've used trick plays before. They've been crazy. We go back to last year's playoffs where Edelman threw uh, the big pass. I I understand that. Um, but even when that happens, I'm saying I don't need to see that again. I don't want to see it again. If anyone's throwing the football on the Patriots, it better be Tom Brady. That's it. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I don't need Tom Brady out there blocking on some type of crazy end around or reverse or whatever you want to call it type play. The fact that you would ever put Tom Brady in a situation where anybody on the defensive side can just put the target on him and line him up and light him up. Now, it didn't happen. At least the camera angle never showed Brady getting lit up or getting lined up. But, I mean, he was in the most vulnerable position that I have ever seen the Patriots put Tom Brady in at such a crucial point in time where you have all these injuries. Like, we talk about, oh, the Patriots need to rest guys if they clinch this, clinch that, clinch the other thing. Well, um, that's out the window. You're not going to do that. Uh, But let's forget about resting guys. I'm o- I've told you this. I'm okay with playing your starters even in games that you think might not be meaningful because I'm all about sort of getting on a roll. I'm all about not having too much time off. You get the bye, one week's good for me. You know, I'm not going to go into a game the week before thinking, what if this guy gets hurt? What if that guy gets hurt? Here's, here's what my, my advice would be. Play your starters in, in, in a game if it's, if it's meaningless or not. Just don't put them in silly situations where maybe they could get hurt. Like putting Tom Brady in a situation like that on an end around or reverse where all of a sudden he's out in the middle of the field having to block for one of his running backs or wide receivers is the dumbest play call you could ever have in the history of football. It's driving me crazy. And the Patriots are making certain calls and certain decisions and had certain mindsets at points and times during this game yesterday against the Jets that reminded me, Way too much of that Eagles game, where the Patriots outcoached themselves. They sort of did that, in a way, yesterday at times. They did. I mean, the end of the first half, what are we doing? Just under two minutes. Got a couple timeouts left. You're going to run. You're going to throw. You're going to make a decision. You're going to commit to trying to get a field goal. I understand nothing's been able to work for you. You might want to take the ball into the half, but it's just... It's maddening to see that when someone like myself, I look, I trust what they have. And perhaps that's a sign of them maybe not trusting the guys up front protecting Tom Brady. And you don't want to put him in a vulnerable position uh, at the end of the half. And you know you're getting the ball to begin the second half. But still, it's just, in general, we've seen, I think we've seen that too many times. That sort of hesitation to go for the points. The hesitation to go for the points, which apparently carried over in, into overtime. Now, I'll say this. Coming into the show today, I come in, get the long weekend. You know, I didn't have a show Thursday, Christmas Eve. I didn't have a show Friday, Christmas. Uh, obviously, nothing over the weekend. I was not on the radio this weekend. It's college bowl season, so I got to play those games. I did do some TV Christmas Eve. Oh, by the way, I mean, to, to read a link, from Comcast Sportsnet on Twitter and to not watch the video and to tweet me crazy shit, like come at me with crazy shit on on Christmas morning. <laughs> like, I don't even need to read the tweet. 
to know that when I look at your profile and it's just like you and your dog on Christmas morning and that's your picture and you're coming at me about something about a football game, I are, I just, I don't even, I don't, I'm not mad at you. I just feel bad for you. Cause, cause you see, I don't even need to read the tweet to know that you're, you're lonely on Christmas. I just need to look at your profile picture and I can tell. But I mean, people tweet, you tweet me shit like that on Christmas morning. I mean, get a fucking life. <laughs> but, uh, and actually you should watch the video too, to actually see what I said, not just read the quote that had on a link from Comcast Sportsnet's Twitter page, which I'm not going to lie. The tweets that were kind of being sent out and the quote there wasn't necessarily what I said, but anyways, but anyways, I was on TV over the holiday. If you got to watch that. Um, but I wasn't on radio over the weekend. So we, you know, you get to take everything in. I'm sitting there Saturday night, a little Christmas hangover going, watching some football, watching the Redskins clinch the NFC East. By the way, people are just sort of, I think seeing the NFC East, they see how bad the Giants were last night. They see the Eagles in shambles all year. Chip Kelly is awful. An awful NFL coach. He'll be back in college before you know it. And forget about being an awful coach. Chip Kelly's just an awful GM. Right? I don't even we didn't even get to see him be as good a coach as maybe he could be because his GM skills are just horrendous. There are kids that you could pick up the street that could put a team in Madden, the video game. That could that put together, you know, give them a salary cap. Take the Eagles team in the video game and do certain things in the offseason in franchise mode. And they could handle it better than Chip Kelly has handled this Eagles team the last two offseasons. But people look at those teams and they see Washington, they see the Redskins, they see them clinch the division, they're like, ah, they're 8-7, and seven. it's a shit division. Uh, Redskins, you know... I, I, I think they should beat Dallas. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Washington, it's not like they're moving out of that four spot. They win the division, so you're guaranteed to be one of the top four teams. They're not bumping up to three, the third-place team. Um, they're not going to bump down to one of the wild-card spots. They're pretty much in there at four, and they're going to host a home playoff game. So you might give those guys a week off and sort of treat it like a bye week, maybe. But but they've been playing such good football that maybe you won't and you want to go in on a roll. I don't know how they're going to handle that. Here's what I'll say. If the playoffs begin today, the Redskins are hosting the Vikings. The Vikings are a very good team. I've been very high on them for a long time, all season long. I predicted them to go to the playoffs as a wild card team before the season, and here they are in a wild card spot with actually a chance to win the division next week. And that game got flexed to Sunday Night Football against Green Bay, right? Uh, but that's a good team. But don't count out the Redskins. I'm telling you, they got they have a very good defense. And Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is throwing the football, especially to his tight end. As good as any quarterback in the league is throwing the football right now, and he's done it here for an extended period of time. You know, people look at the NFL, they're like, oh, what's the biggest story this season? If it wasn't for Deflategate, uh, and if it wasn't for maybe a team sort of coming from, you know, winning their division a game under 500 like Carolina did to being 14-0 and and, and teasing an undefeated season, the top story this year would probably be the way the Washington Redskins won the division with RG3. Forget about RG3, the backup. He doesn't even wear equipment on the sideline. If something happened to the starting quarterback, 
Kirk, uh, Aji, if something happened to Kirk Cousins, Aji three would not be the backup option. He couldn't even. He can't even play. He's on the sideline. He doesn't even wear equipment. I don't even think he owns equipment anymore. And all of a sudden, you you give the keys to the car to Kirk Cousins, and he takes him to the playoffs. Not just taking him to the playoffs. They have a home game in the playoffs, and I think they got a. I think they got a a decent shot here to win that one. And I wouldn't sleep on on the Redskins. I really wouldn't. Now, I'm not going to sit there and make playoff picks just yet because, again, we don't know the exact matchups. But if you've watched Washington play, they they sort of have, I don't want to say blueprint for success, but Kirk Cousins is making the big throws. and, And you know what? He's got the ability to run, too. I wouldn't sleep on Washington. Doing, making a little bit of noise in the playoffs, but I see a lot of people doing that just because their division is bad. Well, forget about the division for a minute. Watch them play here. Watch them play, especially in a league where we look at teams and we go, oh, like Seattle, you know, lose to St. Louis, or Pittsburgh, lose to Baltimore. You got to beat the teams, especially late in the season, that you should beat. You know, the Redskins here, they close out the year with wins again at Chicago, at home against the Bills, in Philly. Teams that they they probably should beat based on the way they're playing, and they're beating those teams. Yeah, they beat the Giants four or five weeks ago. Now they beat the you know, they beat the Saints 47-14 a couple weeks before that. So I mean you look at what Washington's done, look at their resume, but don't just look at their resume, watch them play. And uh, they, uh, I'm telling you right now, don't sleep on them. I'm not, now I'm not making my playoff picks, but don't, don't, I've heard too many people go, Washington, they're a shit, they're in a shit division, they're going to lose their first round game. Well, whoo, I, I would not be that, I would not feel that strongly against what the Redskins have done this season. It, it's a great story. And without a couple of the things like the Flake Aid and what the Carolina Panthers have been able to do, it might be the best story. But we got time to to look at all the playoff stuff. But I'm you know I'm watching that game and you take it all in during the weekend. And Saturday night, you know I'm sitting there and uh, the last thing I really expected to to see was a story that lit and a report that linked Peyton Manning that linked Peyton Manning to HGH. Uh, that was the last thing. The second last thing I expected to see was that same report to be reported by Al Jazeera America. So you get that Saturday night. You get some reaction to it on Sunday. All the while, you got Patriots, Jets, and it's a big game for both teams. And, you know, I come in here today with all this stuff going on. And, um, you know, we get a couple days off last week, and it's another shortened week. And I'm trying, to fi- I'm trying to sit here before the show thinking to myself, what's the main, what's the biggest story? Like, what am I going to lead with today? And um, I think clearly the biggest national story that's not really being made much of a story is the Peyton Manning stuff. Peyton Manning being accused of having HGH shipped to his wife but him actually being the one accused of using it by Al Jazeera America, by someone now who accuses someone else of, you know, illegally recording them and that the stuff he was saying wasn't true. And now, you know, the reaction to it on a national media scale. Look, I'm going to give you my take on that 
before I close out this podcast. But but I want to let you know why, you know, I haven't led. As, as I get into this Patriots overtime situation, you know, the coin toss, I, I sat it today, I go, what, what should I lead with? Should I lead with the football stuff as we get closer to the playoffs? Or should I lead with what really is the biggest national story that's not being made the biggest national story, the Peyton Manning, the accusations of Peyton Manning taking HGH back in 2011 as he tried to come back from multiple neck surgeries in his mid to late 30s. Um, and I, de- I debated it in my head. I was going crazy. I'm going back and forth. And um, see, I mixed emotions about the Peyton Manning stuff because... I, I do acknowledge and accept the fact that we live in a sports world in where a lot of pro athletes, the best ones, even the worst ones, even the ones that aren't pros that try to get to the pros, they could never make it. I've accepted the fact that performance-enhancing drugs are a real thing with all of them. A lot of them do it. I accept it. I don't know if you want to say most of them do it because I don't know if that, that would be an accurate comment, I think what's more accurate is a lot of them do. And um, we've seen stories, we've seen accusations, we've seen failed tests, we've seen investigations, we've seen denials. I don't know, I've come to the conclusion that I never know who to believe. And I've just, in my little sports world that maybe I live in, I don't know if you feel the same way, I have just accepted the fact that in all sports, performance-enhancing drugs are there, they're available, whether it's, you know, sort of in a real secretive manner, whether it's someone who's just being stupid and open about it and doesn't care about failing the test, there's a way around everything. And there's always going to be somebody in a lab that is cooking up something that goes undetected in a test in in a professional sport. Or There's always going to be something. In, In 10 years, we're going to be talking about some type of drug that they're not testing for, that they're going to be battling the CBA to test for, and eventually they'll test for it. But, but the bottom line is this. Pro athletes use PEDs. I've accepted it. The best ones, the worst ones, even the ones that don't become pros, the guys that are in the minor leagues, they do it. We've seen guys get caught. And the guys that don't get caught, that doesn't mean they don't do it. The guys that deny, that doesn't mean they're telling the truth. The guys that use, that don't get caught, that don't have to deny because they don't get caught just because they don't say anything at all doesn't mean that they're completely innocent. I just accept it. I don't get worked up about it. it it's... It's part of recovery. It's part of the fact that, again, we live in a world where you can walk into a GNC or a vitamin shop and you can get something that you grab off the shelf, put in your hand, read the back label and say, I don't know what the fuck this is, but if you go take it, it's going to work wonders for you. Now, maybe not long term, but at the time, it's going to work for you. And it seems shady. And when it seems shady, it probably is shady. But you can buy it over the counter. I mean, that's just that's just a world we live in. So I accept it. So I don't really want to make the Peyton, the Peyton Manning HGH story a, a, a huge deal because I also am not going to be a hypocrite when it comes to scandals or things that I roll my eyes at and what I think a lot of people do. And when I go back to the latest NFL 
and again, I don't call it a scandal, but I'm talking about what other people turned it into, and that's Deflategate. And I sat here day in and day out on this podcast trying to tell you that it's not a big deal. Whatever the Patriots are being accused of, taking a little air out of the football, even if, even if Brady did it, even if they were doing it, even if McNally did it, the way I understand it is I don't give a shit. Because we live in a, a football world and a football league in which the quarterbacks control the footballs all year long. They bring their own footballs. The teams bring their own footballs to the games. Okay? Quarterbacks have come out and said, I did this to the football. I did that to the football. It's a personal preference thing. It's what the league wants. Right? It's what the league allows. Now, once the refs inspect them, you can't do anything to them. But... Again, not to go all the way back into the Wells report, but things happen with the officials where Brady lost trust, and if the refs didn't know the rules and they were doing illegal things to the balls, well, I get into it. You can't stop blaming teams. You got you to gotta punish the officials. But bottom line is this. There was never any point in time during Deflategate that I thought it should have been a major storyline. I thought it should have been a story that should have just been... I don't even want to say swept under the rug. I want to say slap on the wrist. Send an email to someone. Give them a warning. Hey, if something shady's going on with your footballs, you got to stop it right now. We understand it's not the reason you're winning, but, you know, it does say it in the rule book, and someone is calling you out, so we have to we have to respond to this. But we've responded. We checked it out, and here's what we realize is that this isn't really a big deal, so let's move on. You know, that was my response to Brady and Deflategate, McNally, Jastrzemski, the Colts, the Ravens. That was it. This isn't a big deal. Nothing to see here. Let's move on. Now, you know, we did not move on. And the entire time in the last, I don't know, 10, 11 months, I've been criticizing the process. I've been criticizing the NFL for making this a big deal. I've been criticizing the national media for helping make this a big deal. Maybe even starting to make this a big deal. And um, because it's something that I felt a lot of people were doing, if the Patriots were even doing it, which, again, there's no real evidence that, that says they were. I just didn't think it should be a story. And as I sit here and debate today, should I open with Peyton Manning? Should I do the HGH stuff? I have mixed emotions because there's part of me that says, I don't want to make this a big deal. I think a lot of players are doing something. And again, they didn't start testing for HGH till last year, so... I mean, I, still, I think that there were a lot of players that were doing it, that were doing something. And, and would you be surprised if Peyton Manning took HDH? No. And do you get that fight up about it? I don't because I understand that guys are using it. I, I just accept it. I, I do. And um, so because of that, and I, I look at it, I kind of roll my eyes, I, I don't want to make that a big deal. At the same time, there's a part of me that gets pissed off with the media response, the national media's response to both the Flategate when it first came out and there was no real evidence, and now the Peyton Manning stuff that just comes out in which there is no real evidence other than somebody saying there was shipments sent to Peyton Manning's wife's house, and now the person's coming out and saying, oh, yeah, he, he was lying, someone illegally recorded him, whatever it may be. No, the reaction to it has been complete opposite from what... The reaction to Tom Brady was. But all the while, I still sit back and say, well, man, I, I, I don't think we... I, if you just look at the Peyton Manning thing on its own, I don't think we should make it a big deal. The Patriot fan in me, 
right? The Patriot fan of me. I want those motherfuckers on ESPN attacking Peyton Manning for something that they don't have sufficient evidence to, much like they attacked Tom Brady for something that they didn't have sufficient evidence to. So I do want to make that a big story. And I do do get pissed that it's not becoming a big deal. So I have mixed emotions about it on, on both of those levels. But I thought to myself, look, ultimately, I didn't want the flake eight to be a story because to me it's an eye roller. And whatever was happening, I think a lot of people do things with the football. And with Peyton Manning and any player with PEDs, I think a lot of players are doing it. I think a lot of players were doing something before they started testing for it, right? So I, I don't know that I want to make this this major story. And in fact, I mean, Peyton Manning's not even playing. Right? He's not even playing. And this was 2011. So, you know, how much does it factor into the actual football? And I thought, well, I'd open with football today. And uh, when I, I just, you know, I just gave you a rundown of what happened in week 16. So I'll give you my Peyton Manning stuff and, and break that down. I do have audio for you. I, I do have audio that gets into the NFL Sunday countdown crew. I got that. I got that reaction for you. And I got my reaction to that. All right? But I first and foremost need to clarify something that's football related that is locally New England Patriots related that even had the national audience looking at it because it does have to go it does it does have to do and go back into deflategate a little bit because the the referee in yesterday's game, one of them, Cleet Blakeman, he was part of that crew AFC championship of the recording the footballs at halftime, recording the PSIs. You know, they had a couple refs recording different measurements, and we compared them all in the Wells report. Uh, Blakeman was one of those guys. He was the guy yesterday as this Jets-Patriots game went into overtime. He was the guy that flipped the coin. He was the guy that asked the winner of the coin toss, the New England Patriots, and Matthew Slater being the captain. He asked Matthew Slater, uh, what he wanted to do. Now, it's a, and I know you're saying, well, he didn't ask, he told them. Here's what happened. Big picture, here's what happened. Patriots on the coin toss, they decided to kick. There was confusion. Who do I blame for this confusion? One, I first and foremost, I blame the Patriots for the confusion because t- this idea that you should kick the football away to begin overtime I don't care what's happened to your offense during that game. I don't care how depleted your offense may be. Tom Brady is your quarterback. It's another crazy decision in this game that had me going back to the Eagles' loss, to the loss of the Eagles, where you outcoached yourself. All right? I hear a lot of people breaking this down, and, you know, I get it. I know how football's played. All right? I I understand the Patriots' issues they were having offensively. I get it. Uh, I know about the injuries. I know that if you kick it off in overtime and you come up with a defensive stop back at their maybe 20, 25-yard line and you make them punt it, maybe they don't have a good punt. Maybe you get the ball at good field position at your own 40 and you only have to drive, what, 25 yards to kick a game-winning field goal, whereas if you receive the ball, they kick it off, uh, you might stop back at, your own 20, and you might not be able to move the ball. You got to move it farther, and you have an offensive issue, so you give the. I get it. I understand the logic that 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 apparently the Patriots had, but I don't agree with it. Right? That's just stupid logic. Tom Brady's your quarterback. You give him the ball in overtime. 
You're not guaranteed to get the ball. I get that it, it shows a confidence in your defense, but I don't care how confident you are in your defense. In overtime, you win the coin toss, you take the football. I don't care what the rules are, no ifs, ands, or buts. You are not guaranteed a possession. Yes, if the Jets kick the field goal, the Patriots are guaranteed a possession. And I know the Jets are not guaranteed a touchdown, but guess what? They ended up getting one. Worst case scenario, and the Patriots don't even get to touch the football in overtime with a chance to clinch the number one seed in the AFC. It is just a crazy idea to, to say, oh, we won the coin toss in overtime? All right, we're going to kick it off. Just a stupid decision. I'm sorry, it's stupid. I don't, you can give me the logic and what the, their logic was and whatever. You take the fucking football, all right? If the Patriots got the football, they, they struggled offensively. They punted it. Jets in good field position. If they kicked the field goal, I'd say, hey, Jets played a heck of a game. You had a chance in overtime. Your offense struggled. You had depleted. Well, guess what? Still get a chance to get the number one seed. We'll get him next week. At least you gave yourself a shot and you battled back late. That's what I would have said. But you battled back late. You scored a touchdown late. You started giving the ball to Gronk on fourth down, fourth down conversions. After you stopped uh, lining Brady up wide, after you stopped making Brady block for, for an end around and reverse. I mean, come on. And, and you, you, you win the coin toss in overtime. It's like, all right, everything's going the Patriots' way. Wait a minute. What are they going to do? They're going to kick? So that's, that was the first part of the confusion. I think we're all sort of just like, why are they going to kick this football off? So we assume, uh, you know what? I didn't assume, but the announcers did. The announcers assumed that, oh, the referee, either the referee or Matthew Slater got it wrong, right? And then the conspiracy theories came out. And what we did was we all went back and, and we all listened to it again and watched what was said. And, you know, the announcers of this game, I mean, they just, they were out of control. They were absolutely out of control. I wanted to say to them, guys, stop talking for 10 seconds, watch the replay, figure out what happened. It's not really that difficult. It's not. It was not that difficult. It wasn't difficult. Um, but what actually happened in that moment was they flipped the coin. Matthew Slater won it. Cleep Lakeman said, you're going to kick? Matthew Slater said, yes, we're going to kick. We're kicking. He said, we're going to kick that way. He said that. And, and I, heard it, I heard him say it the minute it happened. I rewinded it two seconds after. It, he said it. We're going to kick that way. Blakeman then looked at the Jets and said, which way do you want to receive? And that's where the confusion came in. Because Matthew Slater said, wait a minute. Don't we get to choose which way we want to defend? Now. You don't. You don't get to choose because the rule is stupid. Now, some people said, well, Blakeman, the ref who was involved in Deflategate, he told Matthew Slater what to do. And I'm going, what, what do you mean he told him what to do? I get it we're all fired up about Deflategate and we're thinking about it again because of the Peyton Manning stuff and the lack of a reaction. But let's, let's think logically for a second here, people, because I went on Twitter and people were confusing me. The announcers were confusing me. They were just talking out of their ass for like five minutes. I watched the post game. The post game's confusing me. I'm going, what are they talking about? First and foremost, let's clear some things up. The Patriots, Belichick 
and Slater, you saw them talking about this on the sideline for like five minutes. So one, Matthew Slater didn't get the call wrong. He did exactly what Belichick told him to do. There were some people saying, Slater messed up. Belichick didn't want to didn't kick. Slater just said that. He must have he fucked up. I mean, please, that is such an, that is so insane to think that Slater and Belichick were not on the same page. They were on the same page. They, would, they showed him talk. You mean to tell me that Belichick said, we want to receive the ball. Slater went out there and said, we want to kick the ball? I mean, how drunk do you have to be to tweet me that that happened? Secondly, secondly, the reason that, that Cleep Lakeman said to Slater when he won the toss, all right, you're going to kick? It's because Belichick, the Patriots, they already told him that if they win the coin toss, this is what they're going to do. The Patriots did everything they could to make sure there was no confusion, right? And in, in fact, they, they did that so much, they told the ref what they were going to do. And then afterwards, Slater, Matthew Slater said he asked Belichick three or four times, all right, this is what we're doing. We're going to kick. We're going to kick. And Belichick's like, yes, we're going to kick. Slater goes, Bill, we're going to kick. Belichick said, Matt. We are going to kick the fucking football. Would you go out there and if we win it, we're going to kick it. That's what they talked about. Belichick said, I already told the ref anyways. He knows what we're going to do. So they went out. Coin toss, they win it. Blakeman says, all right, Belichick told me what he's going to do. All right, Matthew Slater, you you guys are going to kick. Slater goes, yes, we're going to kick. That way. The confusion came in when the rule gets a little shady when it comes to what you actually have to say after a coin toss. Now... The NFL tweeted out after this. They said, there's four options when you win a coin toss. Four. Four options. Um, The first is you defer. You elect to kick is number two. You elect to defend a goal is number three. Or you elect to receive. So those are the four options. Defer, elect to kick, elect to defend a goal, or elect to receive. Now. This is the stupidest thing. This, the, the rule is stupid. We, now we're getting back to NFL rules that are stupid. Because when, if you were to say, like if Matthew Slater got out there, he wins, and he says, all right, we're going to defend the North goal or whatever, whatever it is. He says, we're going to defend this side. That means you're kicking the football, right? I, I, that's what that means. We defend this side, does it not? I, I that's what I don't understand. In overtime, we defend this side. I mean, unless there's some other... Someone's going to have to clarify. If I'm wrong on that, someone's going to have to clarify. I'm driving myself crazy. I'm going, isn't telling them you're going to kick the same thing as telling them what side you're going to defend? We're going to defend this side. Okay. Um, doesn't that mean you're going to kick? I, you know, that, that's where the confusion comes in. And, you know, the bottom line is this. Forget about that. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm try- I'm, now I'm bringing it down a road. I didn't want this to go down. But the bottom line is this. Those are the four options. All right? Defer, elect to kick, elect to defend a goal, or elect to receive. Since Slater said and the Patriots said kick, they don't get to then defend what side they want to, what side they want to defend, which again is just cra- is a crazy aspect to what the words that come out of your mouth and the actual rules. So the ref looked at the Jets and said, "Which side do you want to receive?" And that's where Slater was confused. Now, again, I'm not out here blaming Slater. 
I'm not even blaming. I'm not even blaming the Patriots with that. I'm blaming the Patriots that they should not have kicked. But since they decide to kick and the coin toss went that way and it got all confusing, um, they the Patriots to me obviously didn't care what side they defended. They just said, you know what, we're gonna kick. They were dead set on the logic that I mentioned that we all know that the offense wasn't moving the football, so they figured if they trust the defense to come up with a stop the first time, they get the ball and, and a punt and get a good field position and only have to move it 20, 25 yards to kick a game-winning field goal. They didn't care what side it was on. Uh, that's just what they were going to do. And um, so that's it. I mean, I didn't think it was as complicated as everybody made it out to be. People are coming to me going, Slater and Belichick weren't on the same page. You're nuts if you think Slater said something differently that Belichick told him to do. And, I, and believe me, I was tweeting this in the moments after it happened. Before the post-game shows even started, I'm, I was tweeting out transcripts. Uh, and, and I had people coming to me saying, nope, Slater and Belichick were on a different page. You're, you've lost your mind if you think that. Two, people were saying, oh, the NFL screwing the Patriots. They told them to kick and they wanted to receive. Again, it's it just... That, that's such a, a, a ridiculous stance to take on something that really was quite simple. I, I, everybody else started to confuse me. The more I talk about it, the more confused I get. It was, it's a pretty simple thing that happened. The Patriots made a terrible decision to not receive the football. And because of it, they lost. So what you should be upset about is not at Blakeman, is not at Slater, it's be upset at Belichick. Be upset at the coaching staff. They made a terrible decision. And the Jets made him pay. Jets made him pay. So, a crazy game. A crazy coin toss. A crazy weekend. And uh, as we look at the playoff picture, once again, you got a big game tonight. Bengals, Broncos in Denver. I think Denver's going to win. Um, the Jets with their win. And because Pittsburgh lots, the Jets are in now and they control their own destiny. The Chiefs have clinched the playoff spot. They're looking like a scary team. And uh, Houston, with their win, they remain in that top spot in their division. Then in the NFC, you get Carolina. Even with the loss, they're still the one seed. Arizona's right up their ass, though, with their win over Green Bay. Arizona's 13-2. Uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, big game next week. Redskins clinch the division. Seattle with a just a loss that I can't understand, much like I couldn't understand the Pittsburgh loss. So just a crazy week, and on top of it, had a crazy NFL story with Peyton Manning being accused of using HGH. And to get into this story right now, um, so you get, the, you get it on Saturday night. And I immediately tweeted out a link to it. And above it, you know, you can embed the link on Twitter. It gives a little box of a picture. Uh, I did that. And then I tweeted at, I just tweeted out in general, hey, Mark Brunel. Are you awake? With a couple question marks. Right? Just asking a question Saturday night. Um, and the next day, you know, you get the Peyton Manning denials. And uh, the next day, you see Peyton Manning as a one-on-one after a little throwing session with an ESPN reporter. And I got that audio for you. I'll play in just a minute. But just to, to backtrack, you know, if you weren't paying attention over the weekend, Saturday night, there was a report that an Al Jazeera America documentary called The Dark Side, Secrets of Sports Dopers. Again, it was called The Dark Side, Secrets of Sports Dopers. 
we were told on Saturday night that this report was going to come out on Sunday and that it linked several professional athletes to performance-enhancing drug use. And one of those athletes was Peyton Manning, and the drug was HGH. And he was linked because his wife received HGH to her, her home. They shipped it to his wife. And it really all comes back to a former Gaia clinic. It's the Gaia clinic. A former Gaia clinic employee slash intern, whatever he was, his name was Charlie Sly. Charlie Sly, as it turns out in this documentary, is on video. And the video's weird. He's like driving a car, the camera's sideways. And um, in this video, he's talking about how Peyton Manning's wife got HGH HGH shipments, supplements to their house. Or wherever they were. She got them everywhere. Florida, you name it, they got them. And um, that's a lot of the evidence there from, from this kid, Charlie Sly. Now... Charlie Sly came out Saturday night. He recorded a video, and he put it out there on on the internet. And he said there is no truth to the statements that he made while being recorded. He says that someone by the name of Liam Collins illegally recorded him, and that the kid who recorded him is a fraudster who is banned in the UK from running any investment businesses. Now... You know, bait a fraudster, this is someone that he doesn't trust. Well, I mean, he trusted him enough to be telling him this information, to be giving him this information. And the video that Charlie Sly is in, in which he's revealing this information, looks like he's driving a car, and the video's sort of sideways, and it it does look like someone's spying on him. It's a spy video. It doesn't necessarily look like uh, it's meant to get out anywhere. But it's something that he said. And I think a place like Al Jazeera America ran with it. Um, But some of the other names in this report, coming from the mouth of Charlie Sly, he also named Ryan Howard, James Harrison, Julius Peppers, Ryan Zimmerman, Mike Tyson, and Clay Matthews. A A number of other ones, too, I think. So you got him throwing off names... When you look, when you watch a report, it does look like a shady clinic. I mean, again, I'm not shocked. These clinics are around. Pro athletes go to these clinics to get stuff. And I don't necessarily know that Peyton Manning is out there denying that his wife ever received shipments from this place. But the bottom line is this. There is no real evidence that Peyton Manning used HGH. There's none. There's no real evidence there. And, um... Then the aftermath of this is Peyton Manning strongly denies. They come out with a statement. His agent comes out with a statement Saturday night. It comes out that he's hired former White House spokesman Ari Fleischer. Uh, Fleischer, who once worked with Mark McGuire. Um, Fleischer told Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network that Peyton Manning never failed a test. Now, that's a stupid thing to say. It is. It's a stupid thing to say. I, I say this in Major League Baseball, too. When guys say, oh, I never failed the test. Well, Alex Rodriguez was suspended how many games the last time he was suspended? And uh, he never failed the test either. So it's not about failing a test, who failed the test and who didn't. Because that doesn't always mean that you're innocent, as we've seen in Major League Baseball. So the idea that he would come out and say, one, he never failed the test knowing that, and two, 
that the NFL didn't even test for HGH when Peyton Manning is being accused of taking HGH. So it's just a stupid comment to make. Um, Peyton Manning then had the one-on-one on ESPN where he denies, 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 and I'll play that audio for you in just a minute. But then, he, you know, they kick it to the Sunday NFL countdown crew. And, and this is where I get fired up. This is where I started to get fired up. And this is really the only reason I want to continue to roll with this story. Because now the Patriots fan in me is coming out and saying, well, well hold up now. Why, why are these analysts and former players so quick to believe Peyton Manning? When they were not so quick to believe Tom Brady about something that, again, has the equal amount of evidence, which is not much, if any. But yet, last year, around this time, when something came out about Tom Brady, without evidence, you everybody was so quick to jump on him, was so quick to jump on the Patriots, was so quick to crush Tom Brady. And I, what's shocking to me is this. They're all mentioning Peyton Manning's family. Oh, you can't throw them into this, that, the other thing. I don't recall anybody, any of these guys, caring about Tom Brady's family a year ago when they sat there with no evidence and crushed the guy and taunt said his career's tarnished and put asterisks next to him. I don't, I don't remember that going on. I don't remember them caring about Tom Brady's family the way they care about Peyton Manning's family. So when I saw a Sunday NFL countdown, and look, I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say, Danny, why do you even watch? Why do you even pay attention? Well, look, I mean, as much as I've crushed ESPN for Deflategate, I mean, I love ESPN. I love, it's what I watch. I watch SportsCenter. I watch the pregame shows. Right? I watch it. What else, what else do you want me to watch? But I watch it because I do like it. And sometimes they do give us some stuff right, that, that I enjoy watching. They do. But the Deflategate stuff drove us crazy. It still is driving us crazy, and it's going to drive us even crazier once the season's over and we get the NFL's appeal in the first week of March. But when you look at the reaction of the Tom Brady stuff, right after the AFC Championship, that week where Tom Brady gets up at a podium, actually answered questions from multiple reporters, not just a one-on-one with one reporter that's covering his team, that's, that's in his building, right? Tom Brady's fielding questions. You, know, you get fucking Dan Housley from 7 News coming down going... Oh, but what about the fans, Tom? Now, I might be, I might be getting that wrong. Maybe it wasn't Dan Housley. Um, I say that in jest, Dan Housley's name, because uh, Housley was the guy who was at Gillette Stadium a couple weeks ago, or last week, asking Tom Brady about his relationship with Donald Trump multiple times. Which just, man, I mean, let's let's move on from that. Uh, so I, I mocked him for that. That's why I threw his name in this one. But my point is that type of guy, that type of reporter, someone who isn't covering the team every day, that gets a media pass, that comes down to the stadium, uh, you know, right after the AFC Championship, a week and a half before the Super Bowl, and asking crazy questions about air pressure in football. Tom Brady answered those questions, right? And and nobody believed him. Nobody. But yet Peyton Manning does a one-on-one interview, and he does this, and everybody's saying, well, because he said it, we believe him. Because it comes out of his mouth, he said all he needs to say, I believe him. Look, I'll let you judge for yourself. Here's Peyton Manning in his one-on-one interview with ESPN. Uh, They came down, this was on Sunday, this aired during the NFL countdown show, 
and uh, he was thrown around. They caught him in practice. He comes over, and he strongly denies, and he calls Charlie Sly a slapstick or whatever the hell he does. And um, here it is. Here's Peyton Manning's one-on-one -on -one interview with ESPN denying these accusations. All right, let's do it. Um, so tell me, Peyton, what was your reaction to the Al Jazeera report that you had human growth hormone right. mailed to your home when you were recovering from that surgery? Well, I think I rotate, Lisa, between being uh, angry, uh, furious, on and on, but disgusted is really how I feel, sickened by it, that uh, I'm not sure I understand how someone can make something up about somebody, <clears throat> um, admit that he's made it up, and yet it somehow gets published in a, in a story. Uh, I don't understand that. Maybe you can explain it to me. Somebody else can. So um, it's completely fabricated, complete trash, garbage, uh, there's some more adjectives I'd like to be able to use, um, but it really makes me sick. It makes me sick. It makes me sick that it brings Ashley uh, into it. Her medical history, her medical privacy being violated, that, that makes me sick. I don't understand that. And, um, you know, I'm in the middle, middle of my throwing workout, which I enjoy doing that. And I've got to interrupt this workout to come and, you know, talk about this. Um, it's not right. I don't understand it. Have you ever used HGH or any performance-enhancing drug? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And what, what hurts me the most about this is that whoever this guy is, this slapstick, trying to insinuate that in 2011 when I, you know, more or less had a broken neck. I don't know, four neck surgeries, you know, broken neck, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a difference in there, but I had a bad neck. And uh, I busted my butt, you know, to get healthy. Uh, Put in a lot of hard work. I saw a lot of doctors. I went to the Geyer Clinic. He had a hyperbaric chamber that our coach, trainers, and doctors thought might be good for me. They went with me and uh, um, thought it might help. Don't know if it helped. Uh, it didn't hurt. Time ended up being probably my best medicine, along with a lot of hard work. And that uh, it, it really uh, it stings me, whoever this guy is, insinuating that I cut corners. I broke NFL rules in order to get healthy. It's a joke. It's a freaking joke. You mentioned your wife, uh, their source for the, this report. Right. Uh, he's a guy, Charlie Sly, who used to work at the Geyer Institute. He says that they yeah. actually mailed medications yeah. to your home and your wife's name. I don't know this guy. I, I, I've never heard of this guy up until this report. I never met this guy. Uh, any medical treatments that my wife received, that's her business. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing ever been sent to her or my wife has used have I ever taken absolutely not I have my treatments that I do she may have hers and that's her business there's no connection between the two and whoever this uh, I'd I love to you know I, I, I'd love to understand you know why this guy is saying this why he's making it up and then he admits that he makes it up yet it still becomes a story I like to be told and explain that you went to the Geyer Institute Yes. And you've had treatments, and you've had medications from there before. Yes. What kind of stuff did they do yeah, for you? Yeah, hyperbaric chamber, went with the Colts trainers, Colts doctors, hyperbaric chamber, um, something called ECCP, which um, is to, supposed to create blood flow in your muscles. you got to do 35 consecutive days of treatments. I did all 35 days for an hour treatment. Watched Hoda and Kathy Lee during my treatment because I was there during normal business hours at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, I did that. I was a good patient. I uh, had some nutrient IV therapies that I did that uh, um, 
that I thought may have helped me as well. So everything was under Colt's uh, authorization. They knew about it. They went with me. And, um, uh, you know, anything else this guy's insinuating, complete garbage. So in this age of, of PED use that we live in, we, we've seen all the athletes accused. We've seen uh, many of the athletes deny. Yeah. We've seen many of them eventually admit. Right. So right or wrong, yeah. the cynicism is there for sure. us. So yeah. what do you want to say to I a can't. little kid waking up hearing this about <laughs> Peyton Manning? I can't speak for any other athlete. I know what I've done. I know how hard I've worked during my 18 years of playing in the NFL. There are, there are no shortcuts in the NFL. I've done it the long way. I've done it the hard way. To insinuate anything otherwise is a complete and total joke. It's defamation, and it really takes me off. You, your initial reaction when you when you heard about this, your initial reaction. Like I said, sick, disgusted, makes me want to, you know, just can't say it on TV, but you know, makes me sick, makes me nauseous. How do you plan to fight it? I plan to go throw today, uh, you know, a little bit harder. My ball has a little extra heat on it today. I got some built-up anger, as you might understand, and uh, try to do what I can to help the Broncos get a win tomorrow night. I'm moving on. This is. Not losing any sleep over this uh, report, this uh, slapsticks, uh, lies, and uh, you know I'll keep my head above it and keep pressing on, trying to get healthy, trying to uh, get back out on the field next week and uh, practice with the team and go from there. All right, so it's a strong denial, and he's not happy about it. And you know he shouldn't be happy about it. Even if he did it, he shouldn't be happy about it because this obviously doesn't look good on him. You know, it, these guys, it never looks good in the public eye when you get accused or even caught of taking PEDs or using HGH. Again, we don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he did or he didn't. What I am going to sit here and say is that I wouldn't be shocked if he did. One. Two. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm under the impression that a lot of guys do some things that try to stretch the boundaries of the rules, and I think taking PEDs is one of those things that pro athletes do, and I accept it. It's, it happens, okay? It happens. And and because it happens, I don't know that I want to sit here and make such a big deal out of it, especially since we don't have really enough evidence, and I always told ESPN to not make it a big deal when the Deflategate stuff first came out, and they didn't have any evidence on that either. But the problem is, the problem is, they did crush Tom Brady, and they didn't have any evidence. And, you know, they didn't care about Tom Brady's family. But yesterday, when when Peyton Manning did this interview, I watched him. I said, all right, he's mad about it. Doesn't mean I believe him. Doesn't mean I don't believe him. To be honest, I don't care. He's not even playing. Uh, I just don't care. Honestly, I just don't. Let's move on. There's a big football game coming up. Patriots-Jets. There's an even bigger game later in the day. Right? Arizona-Green Bay. Then you got the uh, Sunday night game. Minnesota trying to clinch a playoff spot. There's a lot of fo- there's football going on. I just didn't care. The sports fan of me, even the Patriots fan of me, did not care. I started caring when I heard some of the ridiculous things that came out of the mouths of those that were on Sunday NFL Countdown. Chris Carter, Mike Ditka, Chris Berman, Keyshawn Johnson, Tom Jackson. The things that were coming out of their mouths were absolutely ridiculous to the point where I had to record it, and I'm going to play it for you right now. Here is their reaction. Now, keep in mind the reaction that all these guys had to the to the PSI issue. Yes, that's right, PSI, air pressure on a football, 
with the New England Patriots and specifically with Tom Brady and the way they attack Tom Brady. Keep that in mind as you listen to this. Keep in mind that when Tom Brady had his press conference, when Tom Brady came out and talked about it and actually took questions from uh, multiple reporters as they were about to go to the Super Bowl, keep in mind that the Wells report was not yet out. It wasn't out. That didn't come out until months later. Months later. And, and, and think back to how these guys reacted to that with no evidence. They, there's really no evidence. No good evidence here on Peyton Manning. Same, same thing, really. Not enough evidence. But here's how they reacted to what Peyton Manning had to say. Well, thank you, Peyton, and, and, and thank you, Lisa. Uh, spoken just like we thought he would. Uh, a man whose impeccable reputation has been questioned and, needless to say, uh, come out just the way he should. Um, really no surprise in the anger, the gamut of emotions. Um, and I think what hit him the most was the question about a young person watching. And there you go. Like you well, were, There are no shortcuts. And that's what we put in our pockets, Tom. I, I, I've never seen Peyton any angrier right. than this over an issue. I think it has to do with his reputation with young people, but it also has to do uh, with his family. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you can uh, do more than attack a guy and, and his family. Uh, it was a fabricated story. Uh, the guy who put it out has said it's fabricated. Don't want to legitimize it more by continuing to talk about it over and over and over. But I think all you need to do is look at Peyton's history. Look at the history of Peyton Manning, uh, the integrity that he has shown throughout his life and as his years uh, playing quarterback professionally, and I think that you combine that with the admission of the story being fabricated, and it's something that, you know, you wish it wasn't a story, but because it's Peyton, it became a story, but, but let's put it to rest. I think that's what Peyton wants to do now, is put it to rest. I think he did the right thing um, by getting out in front of it, addressing it, um, not having a prepared statement, because... When you've put thousands and thousands of hours into this game and then someone discredits your hard work, like all the things that he's done behind the scenes, um, it can be easily, especially in this sports world that we live in, it can be taken away from you. Sure. Your fame and everything you accomplish with the, the, the right with the right allegations can be snatched away just that easy. I'm glad he was addressing it. I didn't believe it. Um, and if you look at Archie Manning, Mama Manning and everything that they've stood for in National Football League for yes, 40 years. Yes. This is a strong allegation. I'm glad Peyton, and I'm glad the guy said that it was not true, the story, Coach. Oh, I love Peyton Manning. I mean, I think he's a real man and a real credit to the game of football. Here's the thing that bothers me. Al Jazeera is not a credible news organization. Mm-hmm. They're all out there spreading garbage. That's what they do. Yet we give them credibility by talking about it. They're garbage. That's what they are. I really don't care, to be honest with you. He said everything for me that I needed to hear. So it's like, all right, it, it, it fabricated a story. You want me to sit up and talk yeah, about it? Yeah. Now, you know, he said he didn't do it. Well, if he said he didn't do it, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen, he didn't do it. That's yeah, it. You, 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 you hate that it gets legitimized yeah. as a story at all. Yeah, yeah. And, it's not, and, like and it's not only Peyton, yeah. but you also have his wife and yeah. her medical Correct. history, Correct. her privacy. Correct. Being right. invaded. So it's, 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 it's a huge Garbage. issue, though. Garbage. Quite a world we live in. I mean, that is just, that's, 
that's mind-blowing stuff. And, and yet, as I watched that, the Patriots fan in me went nuts. I went nuts. I get it. I don't want to make this a big deal. I, like, I didn't want the Flakegate to be a big deal. But the fact that they were so quick to just adamantly defend Peyton Manning is, is just it's mind-boggling to me. Uh, right? It's mind-boggling to me. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, here's what he said. He, again, he said, everything I need to hear, he said. He said he didn't do it. He said he didn't do it. It didn't happen. What? Tom Brady said he didn't do it. You didn't say that about Tom Brady, did you? In fact, let me give you the actual audio of, and I know this guy wasn't on Sunday NFL Countdown yesterday, but they all had the same reaction. Mark Brunel. His reaction. Just four days after the AFC Championship. Just seconds after Tom Brady wrapped up his press conference. Here is Mark Brunel reacting to Tom Brady, what he had to say, with no sufficient evidence. Here's what Mark Brunel said. Four days after the AFC Championship, moments after Tom Brady finished his press conference. Those balls were deflated. Somebody had to do it. Um, And I don't believe there's an equipment manager in the NFL that would, on his own initiative, deflate a ball without the starting quarterback's approval. Um, I just... I just didn't believe what Tom Brady had to say. That football is our livelihood. If you don't feel good about throwing that ball, your success on the football field can can suffer for that. And so that was a tough one to swallow. So now we're just all over the place, right? We it's just it's so it's just so drastic that I couldn't ignore it. I wanted to ignore it. I wanted to let the story go, but the response to the national media to the to to deflategate Days after the AFC Championship, and the response to the national media, just moments, in 24 hours after Peyton Manning was accused of using HGH, was so drastically different, I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't. And, you know, I, I, I can't wrap my brain around how some of these guys can be taken seriously by their own company. I, I just don't get it. I I really don't, because I think the HGH stuff, to me, if you wanted to just f- forget about who the best players in the league are, what are the names being involved in this, the teams, the championships that have been won or lost, the organizations that may or may not have a history of doing something, you want to just take two specific situations, right, and just take accusations that the air pressure in footballs in a game were a little less than normal. That's one situation. And the other situation being a professional athlete in the NFL using HGH. What's the more believable situation? What's the more believable situation? No, it's not even even a debate. It's HGH use, right? Again, go back into the accusations to the flake. A guy goes into the bathroom, takes the footballs. Come on. What's the more believable thing? HGH. Then when you you add the names in, it becomes clear. You know, the Patriot hatred, the jealousy of Tom Brady and his championships, right? It's just, it, it's the love. They have such a love for Peyton Manning's family in the league, such a respectable family, uh, that, that, oh, they feel like, how could you do this to... to 
Forget about Peyton. How could you do this to his wife? Oh, wait a minute. What if it comes out to be true that his wife actually was used, was receiving HGH? Say They say, oh, we shouldn't know about this. We shouldn't know about that. We were reading Tom Brady's fucking emails, you fools. We were reading his emails. Because of what? Air pressure on a football? I mean, sometimes I think the people who run these shows aren't paying attention. Like, I always crush Ray Lewis for saying idiotic stuff. You can have an opinion, that's fine. But but it's now becoming absurd to the point where these guys don't even remember what they said about certain situations the week before, the, the months before. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. How you could react, the way you reacted to Deflategate the days after, and how you react, the way you react to, I think, a more realistic story like HGH use to a professional athlete. Oh, he said he didn't do it? We believe him. What? What are you talking about? I mean, at least have some dialogue. At least give me... See, here's how I wouldn't be as fired up. The only thing that... I'm not... And again, I'm not... And now people say, well, now you're being a hypocrite. No. I was, I'm not asking... I'm not asking for Chris Carter, Keyshawn Johnson, Mike Ditka... Tom Jackson, I'm not asking for them to sit there yesterday and accuse Peyton Manning of something that that lacks sufficient evidence. I'm not asking them to do that. I'm asking them to have a reasonable conversation about it. And, and apparently, what we learned yesterday, and I know you're saying, oh, we already knew that was never going to happen. I get it. But, but please, just entertain me here for a minute and let me entertain you. What I wanted to be entertained with yesterday from this crew was a conversation, an actual dialogue about PEDs and professional sports and how, while there's no evidence, it is realistic that a player like Peyton Manning or whoever it may be, who was in his mid-30s in 2011, who was trying to recover from possible career-ending neck surgeries, how then, all right, you miss one season, you return the next, and you play 16 games the next three seasons. 16 games, Peyton Manning's entire career. Let me read it off to you. 98, 99, put it this way, it's too many years to go down. 98 through 2014, through last season, Peyton Manning had played 16 games in every season but one, and it was the year that he missed with neck surgery. Okay? He bounced back pretty good from that, a guy in his mid to late 30s. Is it unrealistic to think that he was maybe taking something that would help him recover quickly or help him recover at all? I don't think it's crazy. And in fact, I don't fault him for it. I'm not even, I don't want to crush Peyton Manning. I'm crushing the fact that they could not even have a logical conversation about this. They should have, here's what they should have done. They should have opened and said, hey, guys, this is not a big deal. But the way we reacted to the Tom Brady stuff we need to at least entertain the idea that this may have happened. This is an accusation. We don't, you know, again, not enough evidence. But, but here's what I know. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe this happened. I wouldn't be, uh, you know, shocked if there was a player taking performance-enhancing drugs late in his career to bounce back from an injury, especially something as serious as Peyton Manning's. And um, I don't think we should completely overlook the fact that 
you know, this is a, a, a pretty strong accusation from even though someone now is denying that it's even true. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I look at the news source, Al Jazeera America, and I'm a little bit more serious about the news source than Mike Dicker was, as you just heard from him. Like, I don't know what, I don't think, see, here's the deal. I don't think Mike Ditka knows what Al Jazeera America is. Like, someone needs to tell Mike Ditka there's a reason why Al Jazeera America has um, a feature story with a very respectable journalist and author in Mitch Album to promote his, his new book, I think it is. I mean, they have it on their website. You know, I don't think Mitch Album is going to do interviews and, and segments and sit-downs with people that uh, make stuff up as much as maybe Mike Ditka likes to make, it says that they like to make stuff up. But, you know, you got to look at it all, and you have to have an intelligent conversation and at least have dialogue and not just sit there and go, well, he said he didn't do it, so I guess he didn't do it. Let's move on. Let's not make this a big deal. Coming from the mouths of the guys that made air pressure in a football the biggest fucking deal in the history of sports. I'm not saying you have to make this a big deal. I'm saying you can't just sit there and say, he said he didn't do it, we can move on. You can't do that. And the fact that the network allowed that to go down, I'm sorry, is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I'm fired up right now because of the way how drastic the responses, how drastically different these responses were to Deflategate with no evidence, to Peyton Manning with no evidence. It's embarrassing. And it does get me fired up, and I think Patriots fans should be fired up about it. Okay? I'm not asking for this to be the top story on ESPN.com right now because, yes, I would be a hypocrite for that. What I'm asking is, because you know how you reacted to Deflategate, let's at least acknowledge this story as, hey, maybe there's something to it. How about someone, you know, and look, I'm not a reporter. I'm, I, I'm, I did that. I'm not. And, and I don't have any of the connections that guys like Mortensen, uh, and, and I know you're rolling your eyes at Mortensen, but let's be honest. I mean, Mortensen has connections, whether, whether he gets real information from them or not, which we know with Deflategate. He doesn't always get real and accurate and true information. Those guys do have sources. They can kick the tires on some things. They can do some research, some reporting. I give, you know, Ian Rappaport is someone that's out there. He's contacting Ari Fleischer. I mean, that's that's reporting right there. That's not letting this thing go as easily as some people have. That's, Rappaport, Ian Rappaport, someone acknowledges how we reacted to the flake, eh? and And we shouldn't, yes, we shouldn't make this the biggest story in, in sports. But I don't think it's a non-story. That's all. So um, you just can't react one way to something and then say, oh, we'll take this guy's word for it when something else happens down the road. I think you got to learn from your mistakes. There's no question. And you can't. uh, And look, I'm not even asking for an outside the lines right now. I'm not. I'm not asking for outside the lines. But when you want to react on NFL Sunday Countdown to this story, where it's fresh, you can't just sit there and say, oh, he said it, we believe him. (laughs) You can't do it. You can't do it. That's foolish. You should be embarrassed with that. So, uh, I I, I don't know. I I don't think we're done with it. I don't think we're done. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that 
Al- look, Al Jazeera America's getting knocked right now. And to be honest with you, I'm assuming, it, I'm assuming they have something else up their sleeve. And there's something else that they can report. There's some other people that they're going to talk to with this. So, um, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. But the idea that they reacted, the national media, to Deflategate the way they did, and now they react to this the way they did, is, is insanity. And it's embarrassing. And I got fired up about it when I, when I saw the reaction. It's okay to have the dialogue as to whether or not, you know, when this comes out, I, look, I, want, I don't want this to be a major story. Again, I, I wanted to move on from this. I did. But the way they handled, I, ultimately, I blame Roger Goodell. I think you can blame Roger Goodell. I, I, I do. I think you can blame Roger Goodell. Because if he didn't handle the flakegate the way he handled the flakegate, when something like this comes up, you know, I probably wouldn't feel the way I just told you I felt about the reaction the analysts had to the story. Right? So I blame Goodell. That's it. I, I, the flakegate is Roger Goodell. He let it go way too far. And because he let it go way too far, we now look at other stories. If they're big... You know, we want players crushed the way they crushed Tom Brady. Brady got crushed. These guys didn't care about Brady's family like they care about Peyton Manning's family. These guys didn't care about evidence the way apparently they could, you know, care less about lack of evidence or no evidence. They didn't care about what came out of the player's mouth when it came to Tom Brady, much like they they do care a lot about what comes out of Peyton Manning's mouth. So... It all comes back to the way Roger Goodell let the flakegate uh, just take on a life of its own. Goodell could have stopped that, and he didn't. And the more you paid attention to that story, the more it looked like Goodell is the guy that wanted that, that wanted that to take on a life of its own, that wanted to crush the Patriots. And this Peyton Manning thing is just another sign and another piece of evidence that even the analysts, the former players, there's a jealousy factor there. If this story, if this story was about Tom Brady, there is no question, absolutely no question, the reaction from Chris Carter, the reaction from Keyshawn Johnson, the reaction from even Ditka and Tom Jackson, there is no question. If this story by Al Jazeera America was about Tom Brady, There's no question they would react differently than they did about Peyton Manning. No question. They would react differently. They would. And, and, you know, because you get all this stuff about Alex Guerrero. Could you imagine? Could you imagine where they would go with this story? Could you imagine what we'd be doing today? What they'd be doing today? Where they would be going today? Oh, it it would be crazy. It would be absolutely crazy. And you know what they would do? They would not care one second about Tom Brady's family. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. They would not care for one second what the evidence was. They wouldn't do it. They would not care for one second what Tom Brady would have to say about it. They wouldn't. And that's what makes it a joke and an embarrassment. So, there you go. Uh, That's what I got for you on a football Monday. Uh, Tomorrow, you know, we'll... See what else happens with any of these pieces of news. But um, 
Look, playoffs are right around the corner, and Week 17 is a big week, and it's a bigger week for the AFC, and I never thought that would be the case. I thought the NFC, their wildcard spots, I thought that was going to be a little bit more of a dogfight uh, than the AFC apparently is because Pittsburgh's still alive, Indy's still alive, but the Jets, they're back in a playoff spot if it began today. Kansas City's clinched. Houston's trying to hold on to their division. Denver Cincy playing tonight, so I'll react to that game tomorrow. And the Patriots, well, you know, they'll have their eyes on this one, but they can take care of business Sunday in Miami at 1 o'clock. Again, Wednesday, I will preview all of Week 17 and give you my picks uh, for the upcoming week and the final regular season week in the National Football League. So some exciting stuff here the next couple days. And uh, anything else that happens in the world of sports, I will react to it. I'm here five days a week. You can subscribe at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are made available. Also follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.